2: As a species, humans are curious just by character. This is portrayed no more by us wanting to know every juicy detail of famous and infamous people and events. Hence, the biopic has been a genre of movie that has enthralled, shocked, and entertained since images were put to celluloid. Now, Hollywood has a way of bending facts and circumstances, but the biopic has provided some of the greatest movies of all time. Here's Neil with 10 biopic facts.
3: Well, if we can call them facts, but I thank you very much, Pav. So what I thought would be more interesting, because obviously a biopic has all the facts in it about the person, would be find out what the most successful biopics were. Now, I'm quickly going to ask you guys, is it biopics or biopic? Biopics.
1: I looked this up, like, just now, because in my head it was both. So biopic is what I saw, biopic.
3: Okay, so here's the ten most successful. At least
1: they're American.
3: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'll I'll take that. We'll all be American tonight, then. (laughs) So here's the top ten most successful biopics in. So at number ten we have The Blind Side, released in two thousand and nine, and it made three hundred nine point two million dollars.
2: Hey, this is not a test.
3: This is rock and roll. (laughs) At number nine, A Beautiful Mind, two thousand and one, was released, and that made three hundred sixteen point seven million dollars.
2: They pay to see Elton John. Ra-
3: At number eight, we've got Green Book, released in 2018, and that made $321.7 million. Sorry, folks, but uh, I just can't do this song anymore unless she's going to marry me. At number seven, we've got Schindler's List, released in 1993, and that took $322.1 million. Bull
2: Pull Bull string. Pull the string.
3: At number six, Catch Me If You Can in 2002, with $352.1 million. Thank
1: you very much.
3: <laughs> At number five, The Hall for Wall Street, released 2013. That made $392 million. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus, and so's my wife. <laughs> At number four, we've got The King's Speech, released in 2010, and that made $427.3 million.
1: He consumed the English with fireballs from his eyes and bolts of lightning from his arse.
3: <laughs> At number three, The Greatest Showman, 2017, $435.7 million. Well,
1: how
2: funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you.
3: At number two, American Sniper 2014
2: made $547.4 million.
3: And at number one, Bohemian Rhapsody in 2018 made $910.8 million.
2: Yes, that great bit from Bohemian Rhapsody where he shouted, I am not an animal. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Top 10 Biopics. It's Biopics, not Biopics, it's Biopics. And we know that because we spoke to an expert who is our guest. It's Top Head Lindsay. Yay! She's back! She's back! (laughs) It's so good to see your lovely face, Lindsay. How are you doing? Doing great.
1: How are you guys?
2: We're all right. Yeah, we're 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 enjoying the sunshine while it yeah. lasts.
3: Yeah, the heat which we're not suited to. We sort of shrivel and melt. Yes. You
1: <laughs> have traded. I'm in Southern California and it's been gloomy and and cool for summertime. It's it's everyone's going, "Why is this summer so cold?" So I mean, yeah. right now I'm overheated but that's more to do with me being pregnant than, than the actual weather. We were
2: were talking a little bit before we uh, hit record and you're like a month till you pop, aren't you?
1: Yes. Next month he'll be here or or at some point, you know, I don't know, but
2: it's, is, is it excitement and nerves is what, what's the percentage?
1: Um, a hundred percent of both, if uh, that makes sense. There, there's no. a layer of both, uh, it makes but exact now
3: sense.
1: We're, yeah, we're we're so excited. We've wanted him for a very long time, so yeah.
3: And it'd just be magical, and it's so cute when that you finally get the baby. It's just a shame they have to grow up, but you know.
1: <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> and and the one thing that you have that you can fall back on once it's all done is that every day gets harder and harder and harder as a parent <laughs> every day you might think when they're 18 20 it's so much easier it's not Lindsay I'm telling you it's not but <laughs> have that to look forward to yeah
3: enjoy have the enjoy the look. nice times
1: well yes. thank you for that uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'm
3: excited yeah yes oh, you so, will be.
2: we are here to do top 10 biopics now I don't know about you two but I literally changed my top 10 again today um, uh, as there are just so many films that you, you class can class as a biopic, I know that Hollywood hasn't uh, has a uh, a reputation for bending the history of certain things. But um, start with you, Lindsay. How did you find making your top ten?
1: Yeah, I struggled. I had a number one in mind for a very long time that in my heart of hearts is still my number one, but it's not on my list because I did some research into it. And the story is very loosely based on these real figures. And I just couldn't, you know, I, in the end, I was like, no, I should pick ones that are more faithful to what actually happened. But, you know, I, I was really like, oh, come on, that's the one I've known about. Like, it was my for sure number one. So it's still a favorite film. But, uh, yeah, um, there's a lot of jockeying for a position in mine. My number 10 and 11 just switched um, probably five minutes before I, I clicked to join you guys. So um, it's really tight. And I also noticed some things about me that I have some patterns in the biopics that I really appreciate. So, or bi- bio, no, biopics. Yeah, see, here I go. <laughs>
3: yeah, no, we don't we don't use the word biopic.
2: I just
1: looked it up, but it's still struggling. So out interest in my- then,
2: you said that your number one didn't make your top 10
1: yes what, what was
2: that one what was what was that movie
1: well I'm afraid to say it in case it's on yours but uh, no, that's fine. It. Tombstone I love Tombstone I love How everything weird. about that movie always have but that it's, was
2: gonna be in my top 10 as well it was yeah it was it's, it's just
1: genuine. A fantastic film and I could watch it again any day and the music the, the acting the story and I don't even like Cowboys at all like that whole life does not appeal to me but it's such a brilliant film but it's mm. it's just too shakily you know yeah. you know not historic so yeah
2: and Neil what did you think about your top 10
3: well I initially wrote all the films that I knew were biopics or biopics and listed them all down and I got to about 22 and I thought hang on we're not doing that much of a list <laughs> so I then started to eliminate things so like People that know me know that I really love The Elephant Man, but I thought I'm going to take that out because it's not a film that I can personally watch that many times because I'll just sob like a baby when I do watch it. So I got rid of films like that. I may have one in my list that still is a little bit like that, but I think it was honourable that we I kept that in. But, yeah, and then I narrowed it down, and then I thought, well, let, let's narrow it down again to the ones that you know that you've seen multiple times, and that's how I got to my top ten, but it still changed. Because yeah. it goes to like a top 15 that you've seen multiple times. And then, yeah, it was forever. An ever-evolving list. And it will be next week as well. It always is. It always mm. is with these movie ones. Okay, let's let's
2: get to the uh, matter at hand. Uh, Lindsay, what is your top 10, your number 10 biopic?
1: Okay, so uh, Touch Me If You Can, uh, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. It's one I've seen many, many, many times. Uh, this is you know just a delightful tale of this real guy and then there's actually something suspicious about it that possibly some of this was fabricated as well like in his autobiography so that this is why it was like 10 or 11 Um, but in the end I went with one that I enjoyed more and I really just love Catch Me If You Can. Mm -hmm. Leo is absolutely adorable as this you know forger kid who's just super smart just an excellent con man and how he's able to con and start just forging checks and then start just assuming positions that he's a doctor a lawyer a pilot you know and he gets through all this just by evading um you know tom hanks an fbi agent who's like on his trail it's just really exciting and adorable and ultimately um you know he's i mean i wouldn't say he's a robin hood figure because he kept the money from well he kind of gave it to his dad who was a you know, shady character played by Christopher Walken, but um, it's just, it's so fun. It is such a fun, delightful film that in actuality, you know, the con man turned into um, somebody the American government uses to help create better systems of checks so that they're not so easily forgeable. I don't know. It's just...
3: And it strongly helped with the performances of everybody in that movie. I think it's so so solid. Yeah, but it was one Spielberg
2: directed by yeah, Spielberg
3: as well. I was just going to say it was one Spielberg. I don't want to criticise him as a director, but he's become a bit of a. I don't think his movies have been solid of late, and that was still at the the pinnacle of when he was a great movie maker not it's hard to say i, I mean, know you,
2: yeah I know. do you
3: know yeah. what i mean he's still a great and we must honor him but he hasn't he doesn't seem to have the magic that spielberg always did but that was at the pinnacle when he was still being able to do those sort of films so mm. yeah and,
1: sorry it's really well paced as well something mm. about the pacing it's just it keeps this peppy exuberance you know alive where you just you kind of celebrate his youth and his ambition and, mm. uh, you know, you cheer for this crazy criminal who defrauded everyone, but uh, including like the love of, you know, this family and this woman who, you know, he wanted to marry, played by a very young Amy Adams. It's, it's just such a That's delight. Right. Yeah.
2: Great one. Great one. Oh, the scene where Tom Hanks um, thinks that Leonardo DiCaprio is an FBI agent and he's all, he's in the same room with him and he's almost yeah. caught him and, and, and Leo still manages to just one more con to get out of the way. It's so good. It's such yeah, a good film. It is
3: very good. Film. Great
2: one to kick us off. Gone in, Neil, you number 10.
3: Well, I'm not sure that either of you may have seen this, but I I love Joy Division. I love the story around Ian Curtis. A sad, a very sad affair that that was. But the film Control, uh, the story of Ian Curtis and Joy Division, I think it's a really, really good music um, movie. It's, it's filmed in black and white. Um, Sam, I've now completely forgot his name, Riley, who's in. Um, uh, Things like uh, Maleficent and that, wasn't it? (laughs) I'm having a real mind blank. (laughs) It's too hot. I'm melting. I'm melting. But um, Control to me is a a wonderful film because having read the book, they've they've captured a lot of what really happened and what really went on in the days of the Hacienda in Manchester and everything like that. I find absolutely fascinating and would have loved to have been there myself. That's Mm. what it is. And, of course, the music's fantastic as well great. If you're a yeah. Joy Division fan, I suppose Exactly, yeah.
2: yeah, I yeah. I, they're one of those bands that I don't understand why they are yeah. so revered. I honestly don't, because he sings out of tune. That's the thing that gets me.
3: It's, it's uh, his style.
2: And I'm not having to go at anybody that likes him because, you know... Them Radiohead and all that shenanigans. <laughs> you remember <laughs> Pink Floyd and all that. Please don't start sending me. <laughs> you like what you like and you don't what you don't. I've never seen it, Neil. To be honest, and obviously, yeah, it's not. It's a good me. film.
3: It's a good film. I mean, ultimately, it's a sad film at the end, but yeah, it's a good film. And like I said, I love the music. I love the performances of everyone. It's yeah, it's up there for me.
2: Great one, great one. Okay, uh, my number ten. Now this was one that crept in uh, today, actually, and it is Legend which is Tom Hardy playing both Cray twins. And um, it it, sh- it should be in my top 10 just for Tom Hardy's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, Lindsay, do you know anything about the Cray twins?
1: No, I, I vaguely remember this movie being advertised. So, yeah, tell me. Tell me what's going on. What they were,
2: ba- were basically gangsters in the East End of London in the sort of late 50s and 60s.
1: And they yeah, were they were
2: primarily they were in the sixties. Yeah. The but they were twins, and Tom Hardy plays both twins. Mm-hmm. And um, it is it, again how accurate it is. They sort of make them out to be a little bit like lovable rogues. In, mm-hmm. They're sort of like the heroes of it. They were vicious, violent mm-hmm. gangsters, you know. And but then then they thought again you're talking about Robin Hood. They were sort of a little bit in the fact that they they loved their mum. You know, their mum was the apple of their eye, and they were the apple of their mum's eye. But they were they were very very violent. To, really? I suppose <clears throat> to their kind, if you like. If well, not sense. always.
3: I mean, they intimidated shopkeepers for their own that is protection true. racket.
2: That is true. That is true. I mean, you mm. don't see that in the movie. Um, but they were also yeah they were they were very uh, tr- very troubled. But Tom Hardy in the movie mm. um, is fantastic and. Oh, who was the guy that was in, who um, was Elton John? Taran Egerton. Oh, Taron Egerton. Taron in it, in yeah. As well. um, Christopher, and actually, um,
3: what's his name? Christopher Doctor? Eccleston. Who. Yeah.
2: There's a lot of people that you recognise thinking, oh, I've seen him in Harry Potter. Oh, mm. I've seen him in Game of Thrones. There's a lot of people that round out the, the, the cast. But just as a tour de force from Tom Hardy, it's a fantastic, again, I, I would say 90% of my movies are not historically accurate. As for biopics, they're, they're just not so. A lot
3: of biopics, aren't, yeah, there, aren't but we'll, they? Yeah, we'll Once take you it for what book. it
2: is. But um but it's a great movie. If did not you ever
3: see the Kemp brothers play the Cray? I did.
2: Yeah, I went to the cinema and saw that. Actually, I me, mean, I went yeah. to the premiere. Did you? <laughs> did you?
3: <laughs> yeah, I did.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this is a better Cray movie.
3: Yeah, I was just going to say, but factually, that one was m- more factual than this yes. one if yeah. you know what I mean
2: yeah
3: I think so yeah it's a, it's a weird one because I find the craze very interesting and when I was years ago in the very early 90s I was doing my dissertation of English I decided to do the culture of the craze and why they were so revered in the east end of London I mean that they loved them around there and the person mm-hmm. that I knew from college her grand knew his grand. sorry I should say knew the craze and they were wonderful they always paid for my shopping they always let me go to the front of the queue we could leave our doors unlocked so you had that side of it they were, they were romantic but obviously they were vicious bastards and i managed (laughs) to write to reggie cray
2: did you And i've
3: still got the letter framed in my loft yeah really he did answer he never spoke about any of that side of it but just yeah he was he was a charming man in the letter let's put it that way
1: can i ask what what kind of era was
3: their heyday i mean obviously he's still 60s mainly yeah it was i mean i suppose it was before the more sort of drug-induced gang warfare and the gun gang warfare, even though they used firearms, it wasn't primarily all that. It was the, what they say, the golden era of gangsters, but just as violent, really.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> great um i didn't realize i didn't realize that you were pen pals with reggie crane no
3: we had one letter and oh, it was all don't my...
2: give me that rubbish that you yeah. go up to your loft and there's a shrine to the craze isn't there we are yeah.
1: best friends it's yeah best we, best we were <laughs> yeah
3: i served time with him that's what, really that's happened. what it <laughs> yeah. no he was in prison and i just thought well you know if you don't try for your dissertation you don't get And he replied
2: there you go so. Okay then Lindsay You're number nine please Who have you been pen pals with That's had a biopic Um,
1: (laughs) I haven't Because uh, the featured person here Passed away But um, I really love The Theory of Everything With Eddie Redmayne And uh, Felicity Jones Mm. I saw it in the theatre I think twice Which you know When that movie came out Like 10 years ago That that isn't something I did a lot at that point It was kind of Doing that more When I was in my 20s Um, aging myself here, but it's, Mm -hmm. I really found when I was looking at this list, especially when my list had like 25, I was like, wow, I have a lot of um, scientists, mathematicians, you know, like incredibly brilliant people on here that have some sort of affliction or problems. (laughs) Like, wow, (laughs) this is interesting about me. Um, But I I just loved that film. Um, You know, Stephen Hawking, you know, he's just portrayed so beautifully by Eddie Redmayne. And really, it's almost more about his wife, Jane, who, you know, it's kind of, I mean, it's about both, but, you know, it's like their love story and how she supported him as he gets ALS. And um, I just thought the whole thing was beautifully shot. And I love it when, you know, anything in STEM, science, math, engineering is somehow portrayed in a way that makes sense to me. You know, I don't think I'm an idiot, but definitely, you know, much more on the English humanities side than the science, technology and math side. And yet I love that stuff. And so I really appreciated how it was able to portray everything that he was writing about or, you know, whatever was expressed in the film, just in such a beautiful visual way. I just think it's a brilliant film. It's one I would rewatch, you know, most days. I just, I think it's lovely. He won the Oscar for that, didn't he? Yeah. He won the Oscar yes. for that. Yeah, yeah.
3: And deservedly yeah. so. What performance? Yes.
1: Incredible. Just absolutely incredible. And then the idea that you know even though in the end they weren't together like their love endured in a way mm-hmm. like you know it's always an act of love whether or not they're married um it is just beautiful and so anyway I just really really love that film and, and and then didn't he end
2: up with the nurse
1: he uh, did Yes. in the
2: end and wasn't there some kind of wasn't there some kind of Trouble or something when like that, he, that she was beating him up or he was beating mm-hmm. her. up. Oh, oh God! Shut up, Fred. I don't, <laughs>
1: I don't think that's in the film. Uh, that no, could that, it's not in the, the film. Life, yeah. yeah, I think it was something Again. that
2: happened afterwards. But but, uh, but loads, it, loads
1: it, of cinematic, you
3: know, yeah. so. <laughs> loads of stories like that came out. Like when he went, he visit famously visited a strip club, didn't he? Oh, did he? Yeah, so? you can find the pictures of him surrounded by the ladies. Oh, like, okay, crikey, blow me. I didn't see that in the movie, did we?
1: No, it probably didn't fit that. Yeah. <laughs> trying to show. I, I, you know what? Good for him. Do your yeah, thing. Absolutely. You know, like, why can't a person with ALS go to a strip club? just Exactly. You know? Now, if he's married at the time and that's not appropriate.
2: Yeah.
1: Then <laughs> good, but
2: What a player! He might have been on a stag.
3: He might have been on a stag. Do we don't know? He might have been. He might have been.
1: Uh,
3: You're number nine. (laughs) 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 So my number nine is the Out and John Rocket Man. I've I've got to put it in there. I fell in love with this movie when I first saw it at the cinema. I subsequently went back and watched it again. Now again, we know that things aren't factual in it, but. They sort of came out at the same time, Bohemian Rhapsody and um, Rocket Man. But I thought Rocket Man totally outshone Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, it wasn't afraid to, to tackle the subjects that were there to be tackled. You know, they didn't sort of gloss over it all. And Taron Egerton, uh, as Elton John, was just superb. Sang like a dream. Mm. Um, yeah. And I just think it's a, a remarkable movie. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the people that have done... To Rocket Man, aren't they doing the one with Ozzy Osbourne now? The writers and everything like that. So oh, I are mean, they? Try to see what they're doing with that. Yeah, okay. And what's that called? Uh, bat out of no, that'd be meatloaf, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be meatloaf, yeah. bat out, bat in my mouth. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. All right, okay. <laughs> um, bark at the moon, maybe. Oh, that'd be good. It's just gonna be
2: called Aussie, isn't it? It's got to yeah, be just called
1: Ozzy.
2: Crazy Train, <laughs> yeah, it could no, be crazy.
3: Actually, train. That would be good, or changes. Mm. Yeah, but people <laughs> make a <people> it with Bowie.
2: <laughs> yep. uh, well, yeah, yeah. There you go see. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy. I enjoyed Rocket Man. I must admit, mm. but I did think it. It felt more like it should be a stage show.
3: Well, yeah, that's what I loved mm. about it. I loved it. it was a musical rather than a a musical not frightened to tackle the subjects that there yeah. to be tackled.
2: Yeah, I completely agree.
3: And I think Dexter Fletcher did such a good job. He
2: that. did. He's becoming mm-hmm. quite a quite a director. A director isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, my number nine uh, is Papillon with Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman, and this is one of the movies I can remember as a kid watching and thinking I shouldn't be watching this because there's lots of like nasty. No, nah. mm. I mean I remember the one thing I can remember is being a little kid and watching. I don't know if you. I, I'm I'm assuming you've seen it, Neil. Have you seen this, Lindsay? Yeah.
1: I haven't. I'm
2: you sorry. haven't. Yeah. It's about a guy that um that just he always he always ends up in prison. He always breaks out of prison. He ends up on this was it Devil's Island or something? I think it was Yeah.
3: Called. Yeah, that was where they sent the French it was French, wasn't he? Well, yeah. supposedly the real person. And it sense. is was
2: it was apparently a prison that you could never break out of. So he tries to break out of it and he ends up in solitary confinement for years mm. and years. And it's quite harrowing. Steve McQueen is just amazing in it and it's got a young dustin hoffman Mm -hmm. uh, in it as well um and it's weird in places but it's just very harrowing in places he visits like a leper colony and um he's trying to see if he can stay there for a little bit and the the head of the leper colony is smoking a cigar and gives it to steve McQueen as like a test and steve mcqueen takes a few puffs on it and the guy says to Steve McQueen, how did you know my leprosy wasn't contagious? And he went, he says, I didn't. He was just trying to pass the test. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I would, th- they did a remake of it with Charlie, Charlie Hunnam, Hunnam. yeah, and they? Remy Malik, And Remy Malik, yeah. Um, and it wasn't the same. I think because mm. I, I love the original so much, it's like you can only be Steve McQueen. I can't think of anyone else that could play him. So uh, I would thoroughly recommend um, you... Uh, having a having a look at it if you want to see something really harrowing and it's really going to disturb
3: you lindsay <laughs> maybe then not before the pregnancy yeah, all the birth. i'm gonna wait a little bit okay, <laughs> just just kind p- of
1: trying to stay in a nice
2: even keel yeah, yeah maybe know. maybe maybe wait wait a few months yeah
3: i mean it was brave okay. for steve mcqueen to do it because it's different to anything you've yes. seen steve mcqueen in before you know like it's like i said it's gruesome it's a bit harrowing and but everybody I knew at my age had seen it too young because I'm sure they put it on telly too early.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I remember watching it, it was mm. on like it was a Christmas time or something,
3: you know, watching people getting eaten by alligators or crocodiles or whatever the beheadings left, right, and center, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. It's uh, but mm. I would thoroughly recommend it. Uh, okay, then Lindsay, your number eight, please.
1: All right, uh, so Hidden Figures, uh, which came out a few years ago as well. So this is just a delightful film start to finish it. Um, it's basically about this, I mean, not secret, but kind of before this, I don't think it was very well known, not taught in schools, not, you know, um, you know, a major historical thing, and it shouldn't have been. Uh, There's a team of female African-American mathematicians who basically helped get the first American in space um, in NASA without their calculations it could not have happened. And so they, there was a memoir or a biography first and then they made this film and it stars Taraji P. Henson, Octavia Spencer, and Janelle Monáe. And they are like, so delightful. You know, every scene with them in it is just, and it's most of the film, you know, their story, they're, they're just, you can't take your eyes off of them. They're delightful, interesting characters and, and real people who, you know, revolutionized so much of um you know like engineering and math mathematics in in NASA and for America um i really really just thought phenomenal and i was like again i grew up going to schools never knew that uh you know african american women were like the key like people behind you know these tremendous achievements it's always the white man that's shown and mm. i loved how this movie kind of uh dispelled all that and just said hey you know It takes a team and really the smartest people in the room are the people that were overlooked for a very long time so uh, i just loved it i don't know did you guys see this one
2: i've only seen it once i have kevin costner's in it isn't he yeah yeah Yeah. and i can't believe i've still not seen this movie so i need to make sure So i've seen clips of it on on tiktok or youtube and stuff and it looks great and i just have mm. not got around to watching it so i will make sure i do It's
3: a, again it's one of those movies um that you start watching and you get hooked straight away and you're in and you're invested which is always a great thing for a movie but also mm. it's it's just so good that they've because of this movie it corrected the facts you know right. made the fact and and you know the fact that it took so long for these people to be recognized is almost a shame well it is it's it's It's
1: a total shame and Mm. you know again i feel stupid for my ignorance you know not being aware and you know even the title hidden figures it's like well then how many more hidden figures are there Mm, you know driving so much of our innovation Mm. and you know the foundations of our society so i don't know i just i i just think the whole thing is so inspiring you know i'm a teacher it doesn't really fit with my curriculum but i'm like man this should be shown to every student just to you know open up you know this idea that you know it's not just straight white men who rule the world, you know. Mm-hmm.
2: But, yeah. I do. I do feel the same as a, as you're a teacher. I feel you should show your pupils papillon on as well, just to uh, scar <laughs> to... <star> them. <laughs> great. Yeah. Thank
1: you for the job security.
3: Yeah, that's okay. Going to Neil and Bright. Um, so it is uh, talking of quite a, um, a hard-hitting film. It's Schindler's List. Um, now, this really should probably be higher, but the problem, the, how I did my uh, list is watchable films, and I would have struggled to re-watch this a few numerous times. But it's also a film that I feel everybody on the planet should watch because it's one of those films that, all right, maybe it's not all factually correct, like all biopics, it is also very educational in the fact of what did happen in these concentration camps. And then is a gateway to these younger generations who sadly seem to be forgetting about the, you know, the fights and the the things that happen to people for our freedom. So this is why I think it should be on all curriculums of all schools um, and not forgotten. And the fact, the cleverness of Spielberg and how he did it, you know, he's filming Jurassic Park at the same time. So at one end, he's doing a high-octane Action, you know, romp, and then he's doing this hard hitting, you know, a film that he said he always wanted to make. And boy, did he make a film that kicked you in the guts! First film I've ever been to, as well, where that when it ended and the credits rolled, nobody moved until the credits finished in the cinema, which I found quite remarkable.
2: Mm.
3: Mm. There and, we
2: are. and a moment's silence there, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because no one really knows what to say.
3: Well, no, you don't, do but, you? No, it, it it is... makes, yeah. To the me, that's the, a perfect thing to give to, you know, your, your young children, not young children, but your young no. adults coming up and need to still remember what, you know, atrocities, you know, learn from the past. Yes. Don't hide the past. Learn from the past and correct the future. That's how we go forward.
1: What we're capable of, right? Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: The reason it never made my top 10 was worse for that reason that you said, Neil, is the fact that it's not a movie that you can rewatch. Mm. I think I've, I've seen it probably twice I mean, I yeah. think I've said it on this podcast before. The first time I watched it, I watched it as a double bill with that and Philadelphia. Oh, the most cheery yeah. afternoon! I mean, oh man, we laughed so much that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: pictures of you two skipping out of the, like, the cinema. Oh my god, it was with
2: my Close brother.
1: That so. Double bill,
2: my I know. god! It was. It was just that we watched a movie in the like, the afternoon, and we said, "Should we go and see something else in the evening?" Yeah, go on then. And I think Schindler's List was the next one that was us with it's a stupid Ooh. thing to do. But, you know, yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah. Um, yes. So my number eight is one that you mentioned, Neil, that you didn't put in your top ten, and it is The Elephant Man. Oh uh, yeah. um, It's been a long time since I've seen this, but this was one of the first films I thought of when I thought of a biopic, mm. uh, just for the fact of how hard-hitting it was when I remember watching it for the first time. And mm. the one scene, as, as much as like John Hurt as John Merrick, is just it's it's touching but it's it's frightening and it's cruel and it's beautiful all at the same time it's that one scene of that one shot of the camera just fixed on um anthony hopkins face and it's like you can see his eyes just welling up and like mm. tears just dripping down his face it is just heartbreaking it really is and i i again Three I've done so far. Well, the two of them are not exactly laughing. You know, <laughs> they, they're not all laughs, but it kind of—it's all about looking at the human in everybody, no matter mm. who, what they look like and who they are. Um, John Hurt, <laughs> just amazing,
3: absolutely well, Oscar winner though, wasn't it? Oscar
2: winner, but yeah, yeah. So I would thoroughly recommend mm. that if anyone has ever seen it. And I don't know about you, Neil, but would you say that's? Um, uh, oh Christ! Now see, I'm I've, it's bloody heat. Who David, Lynch. It? David Lynch. Is that his most accessible movie? Do you think?
3: Yeah, that or June. Even if you don't like June, June's quite accessible to watch, though. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It is. It was produced by Mel Brooks. He put the money up for the elephant, man. Did he really? There's a bit of a fact for you. you but do. it's a Neil, film. You're like off the clock. You don't have to do facts <laughs> now. You've done it. <laughs> that's yeah. it. It's because it's, it would be up there. As, as, it's a great, great movie, and it's yes. probably one of, the, one of the best movies made. Yeah, I find it really hard. I can't watch it all yeah. in one shot. I have to no, no. stop and have a break, and it makes me cry every time I then see it. I can't do it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But I thought I'd check it in there. Okay. Uh, Lindsay, you're number seven, please.
1: Well, you've just shared some really dramatic films. So um, mine's not as much, but this one is Walk the Line. Uh, it's okay. the of Johnny Cash. Uh, it's, uh, you know, mid-2000s, Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon play Johnny and June Carter Cash. Um so this movie really resonates with me because up until that point, I was little rock girl and very much <laughs> didn't want to entertain the thought of anything slightly country. And this movie turned me on to Johnny Cash. Um I don't know why I saw it originally, but I've rewatched it many times. It's my favorite film with Reese Witherspoon in it. Um, she's she's great, but she's not, she's not really my taste. In this, I thought she was phenomenal. Her voice was great. His voice was really great too. And then of course, after the soundtrack for this, I went back and started listening to old Johnny Cash and became, was just become a fan and then have opened, you know, that kind of opened the door to some other older country music. I really don't like current modern that much, but I really like, uh, the older stuff. So, um, I just think it's, You know, I mean, it kind of follows the same trajectory of, like, famous artist film, you know, where, you know, they get some fame, you see their ascent, you see the, you know, the love then the drug addiction and the recovery, you know. I mean, there are so many on my list that didn't make it that fit that trajectory, but I just think this film does it really, really well. It's so watchable and so fun. Um,
3: That's the story of Neil's life as well, (laughs) What's what <laughs> Walk the Line. Yeah. I can't bloody walk anymore. Don't yeah, rub it in. True. Oh,
1: that's so mean.
3: <laughs> I didn't mean that joke by that. I was talking about the up and down
2: and the drugs and all stuff. Like oh, that. I didn't yeah. think about oh, the, the pun of Walk the Line. Sorry. That just no, oh, I, I, only,
3: I only jest. I can no. walk, of course I can. I got crutches. Yeah. Um but I agree with you, Lindsay. I think it's a great great biopic. I really do and Reese Witherspoon's never been better, like you said. But I th- do you think that film brought back Johnny Cash? I'm not saying he went away, but no, I... it brought him back to a new audience for sure, didn't it? A
1: hundred percent. The only interaction I'd had with Johnny Cash before that, or only like relevance he had in my life besides just his name, was um, his version of Hurt, you mm. know, uh, the Nine Inch Nails song. And that, you know, was brilliant. And that video is just so heartbreaking and lovely Mm. um and hurt has been you know one of my favorite songs forever so uh you know that i knew and then going back through his catalog it it really just yeah for me definitely and i think for a lot of other people he became a lot more relevant and you know again which is a great thing you know that films that books you know can reintroduce you know history in maybe a more digestible way or or help you discover something you may not have known
3: yeah Mm. completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, Gone there, Neil. You're number seven. So it's uh, something I was late to the party, yeah? and I believe you were as well, Pav. Is Elvis? Yes, the Elvis. Uh, the recent Baz. Just Lerman. missed
2: out. Just missed out mm-hmm. on my top ten. That did.
3: Now I've rewatched it again. I, I was blown away the first time I've seen it, and I've I've grown to love it even more the second time I've seen it. I love the portrayal. Now we know, you know, it's teaching us things probably some of us didn't know. It's teaching us things that some of us probably did know after reading some biographies. But, were, yeah, I just thought it was great. Austin Butler. I mean, yeah. it's was, it was the weirdest thing, wasn't it, with him? Because one minute you're looking at somebody that didn't look anything like Elvis, and the next minute all you can see is Elvis. Yeah. But I've heard a lot of people recently complaining as well about Tom Hanks' performance, but I thought he did really well. Really good job. Especially if you go back and look at interviews of the Colonel and you can see footage. He sounds so much bloody like him. Mm. So the fact that people are—I don't know—but anyway, I love the fact that they use modern music in situations. You know, um, well, that's Baz Luhrmann for you
2: as mm. well, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I I buy,
1: you can see from the first few frames, yeah, you're yeah. like, "Oh, here we are." I mean, you know, it's very clear his style, you're in a
3: comfort zone, aren't you? And, yeah. But yeah, I just love it. I—I I think it's one that's going to be around for a long time.
2: That final scene mm. when he sat at the piano, and then it—it—it it, it, it just naturally clicks over to the actual footage of Elvis. Yeah, and you, you have can... to just look hang on a yes. minute oh, that is Elvis yeah and it's uh, I was I was sobbing at the end of the yeah. movie I genuinely it is, was.
3: it's a great thing and I was I, I don't know why I was so late to the party
2: yeah but I'm fully on board now there mm-hmm. you go See, so, yeah that, that would have been in my top 10 if I hadn't added the three that I added today so <laughs>
1: mm. yeah I think it was like my 15 or something I really yeah. loved it his portrayal so incredible so
2: good and he you could tell that he put absolutely everything into that and I think mm-hmm. when he did some of the the publicity afterwards he still had the elvis voice mm. didn't he he, he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't get long. rid of it yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah he he's from kind of the area where i teach you he, he was a homeschooled kid but he should have gone to the high school like mine or the one right next to it where i teach and i'm like nobody sounds like that. like he yeah. just was so immersed in it that he mm. couldn't shake it for a while i think he yeah. has now
2: yeah yeah And he was in yoga hoses, Neil.
3: He was. He was indeed. I don't remember him in that, but then I don't remember a lot about that movie. No, I can't remember
2: much about (laughs) that. Um, Okay, my number seven uh, is another Leo movie. It's Wolf of Wall Street. Well, that's my number six. Oh, that's your number six. Yeah. Um, If just for the fact it is one of the most batshit crazy movies I think I've ever seen in my life. And it's another one of those very rare movies where it's about, is it two and a half or maybe nearly three, three, hours, three hours Three hours. hours long. long? And it doesn't, I think I've watched it three or four times and it mm. never feels like three hours long. Not like the new Avatar movie, which I felt every minute of that three hours, 18 minutes. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Wolf of Wall Street is one of those movies it's like, you, because it's so dense with stuff in it and so much stuff to look at, that every time you watch it, you see something different. It's a bit like Airplane in the fact that you see something new or hear something new every time you watch it. And didn't I? Did, did Leo didn't get an Oscar for this? Did he? He got no. it for The Revenant, I think, wasn't it? Wasn't it for The Revenant? Yeah, he
3: did. Yeah. He should have got an Oscar for this because it's, yeah, it's an amazing. It's Leo's performance. movie. Everyone's great in it, but it's Leo's movie. It's such
2: an amazing <laughs> performance. Um, and again, it's like where they make somebody that is genuinely just a crook into an this yeah into this like you want to be him mm. no
1: you know?
2: no i don't, <laughs> don't you? i mean i mean maybe not how he ends up but the fact that he's there with all this money and he's you know he's i mean what a place to work that must have been
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: the christmas parties would have been mental but you know yeah. uh,
3: not for the dwarfs it was <laughs> no not for the dwarfs obviously no no not
2: for them but um yeah i mean it just looked like did you
3: just... not feel though when you watched it this is why i put it on there it felt I actually felt hedonistic just watching it rather than yeah, being in it. It was crazy. Absolutely. What Martin Scorsese did to people watching that. What the younger generations must think, they must be in their prime now. but thinking we've got everything in that that I could ever want to excess on. Yeah. Whereas I'm watching it as an adult thinking, Christ, I need to go into rehab just watching it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, but it was they- a
1: brilliant um, I just, it made me feel so horrible. I don't yeah. know. It's just like I was like everything about this is disgusting. I need a shower. Like it just, <laughs> I can't rewatch that movie. I, I I saw it. Like a lot of people have it in their top ten. And I was like, you know, I don't want to see it again. But brilliant, like mm. start to finish, brilliant. I, know, but, I yeah.
2: know. I know exactly what you mean, and it is that <laughs> it is that feeling of like of a. How did people get away with that? But then obviously in the end they didn't get away with it. Mm. But at that time when they were at their their peak and their height, you mm-hmm. look at everybody and they're they're all horrible selfish
3: bastards
2: you know they mm. are just horrible human beings that are really only there for themselves and there to just make as much money as they can off people that are that are not as fortunate as they are so
3: it was yeah. like a real life gordon gecko with excess really it? yes
2: with absolute excess yes yeah. um okay yeah that was my number seven so Lindsay, your number six please
1: my number six is the social network uh which i think for somebody my age who was in college when Facebook came out, and you know, it, I've seen. You know, I grew up without social media, and you know, as an adult, have always had it. It really um, just crystallizes a lot of what I didn't know about what was going on at the time. Um, have you guys seen this movie? Or,
3: yeah, a long time ago. I, so yeah,
1: yeah, I absolutely love it, and and a big part of it too is actually the soundtrack. I think that really makes this. Um, It's Trent Reznor doing the first of a million (laughs) incredible soundtracks. And I've listened to just songs from that, you know, kind of in the background, like if I'm studying or, you know, grading or whatever I have to do, like it's it's in my brain and will always be. So just the sounds of this film, I'm really connected to it. Um, But Jesse Eisenberg is... (laughs) He's an actor who always plays people I hate, um, and he's so good at it. He's yeah. just so good at being kind of a despicable little worm uh, who, you know, Mike, Mark Zuckerberg is definitely in his portrayal. You know, that's kind of what mm. he's going for, I think. Uh, but it's just so fascinating, this ascent into, you know, oh, you know, we're not going to be millionaires. We're going to go for a billion dollars. Like, that's the thing, you know, just... The capability of all of it, and just the tech revolution behind it. I don't know. I'm so fascinated by that whole world, and then how there's so much infighting. You know, whose idea was it? Who's getting credit for this? Who's being frozen out? Um, you know, the whole thing is kind of couched through this like lens of a lawsuit. Yeah. Um, and and I don't know. It's just brilliantly done. I love Aaron Sorkin's writing and directing. Mm. You know, it's just perfect. And it's got
3: that bizarre thing with the dialogue, hasn't it, where it's speeded up, so they've got more dialogue in it.
2: So fast, yes.
3: Yeah, it's bizarre. Andrew
2: Andrew Garfield, for me, is is fantastic. Mm -hmm. That moment when he realises that he's been conned Mm -hmm. near the end um, is just – and and the look on Jesse Eisenberg's face, because he's been so full of bravado and sort of screw you, but then he realises that the only friend he's ever really had, he's just gone and, like, just – you know, just Over. conned him yeah. and taken yeah. him for for a right eye. Oh, yeah, it's a really, really good movie. It is a good um, movie. Probably David number Fincher 12 or 13 so on my list, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Excellent stuff. Um, okay, Neil, your number six was Wolf of Wall Street. It was. Uh, my number six is uh, Jim Carrey and Man on the Moon. That's my <laughs> number
1: three. That's, <laughs> number That's my number five.
2: Oh, <laughs> you've got one. Um, well, was, and your number three, Lindsay, did you say? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah,
3: this is a great, great movie. Now, I've I've, accompanied with the Netflix thing as well. Works perfect. I
2: didn't know who Andy Kaufman was, but I was a massive, I have been, let me say, a massive taxi fan for Mm. years. Me and my brother went to LA in 1991, I think, and I pissed him off because there was. Two hours of taxi on the TV every night. So we didn't do anything at nighttime until I'd watched the two hours of taxi at the hotel room before we went out and did anything. And it really pissed him off because then you couldn't watch something on streaming and just see it all. It was just like, oh my God, look, they've got taxi here, two hours of it. So we ended up watching it. And obviously, I always thought that that was what Andy called, I thought he was Latka. I thought that was what he did. So the first time I saw Man on the Moon, because I was I, I love the music, so obviously the REM song and stuff.
1: Yeah.
2: And I thought, oh my God, there's more to him than just thank you very much. and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And then I sort of delved into all of his stuff and the stuff with the, the, um, the mighty mouse and, and the wrestling and the wrestling yeah, I mean, and a. yeah. And going on, to, was it David Letterman where he, they ended up having a, a fight there as well. I was mm-hmm. amazed. And I thought Jim, Cor- I'm not a big Jim Carrey fan. But I thought he was amazing in this movie. I really did. But
3: well, that's what yeah. I said. When you watch the, um, I can't remember what they called it, the Netflix thing about the making of it and show yes. how Jim Carrey just stayed in character the whole way and almost obsessed over it, I find it intriguing how that went away. Uh, yeah. I went ahead and, yeah. But it's also really sweet.
1: Sorry, yeah, Lindsay. No, no, no. It's fine. Um, Sorry. Uh, I love Jim Carrey when he's doing his more dramatic roles. And yes. even though this is, he's playing a comedian... He's a dramatic actor in this yeah. film. Um, I think he's a genius at drama. I don't always love his like the mask kind of you know silly crazy Ace Ventura stuff. I grew up yeah. with that. But, you know, it's not that's not really for me. But yeah, this movie, his performance is so brilliant. And then when you, I haven't seen the Netflix thing, so I want to check that out like right now. Like <laughs> okay, we're done. I'm gonna go check that out. And it's
3: completely. I just
1: love that film. And, and you know, as much research as I could do, and Andy Kaufman at the time this came out i did and i think courtney love is really brilliant and it's Mm. such a a light in this movie danny devito is fantastic oh this it's just genius genius start to finish and then the ending how it's a little cryptic about you know what really happened to him and
2: Mm. what's what's the name of the lounge singer that he does tony Tony, clifton
3: tony Tony yeah that's right that's
1: right
3: you see i'd love to have seen tony clifton i think that would amazing Oh, that we'd have, I mean, so many people said that when they, when he turned up and they saw him and didn't realize who it was, they found it cringeworthy and horrible. I think that had just been amazing. Mm-hmm. To well, that's, see. Uh, that's our kind okay. of human it is, That's the it good is. stuff that
2: we love. I think I'd have been rolling in the aisles. Indeed, indeed. Um, so what was that? That was number six.
0: This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile.
2: Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness.
1: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
2: Okay, it's time for this. Oh, I pressed the wrong button. (laughs)
1: pop quiz hot shot
2: yes pop quiz hot shot now lindsay you haven't done this with us before have you
1: i have not but i love the quiz. by the way so great
2: (laughs) so here we go we're going to do a quiz it's first one to three uh and if you get the question wrong it goes over to the opposition and they get a chance for the bonus so lindsay you are our guest Do you want to go first or second
1: love to go second
2: okay then neil are you ready as ready as I ever will be. Here we go, then. Who played Nixon in Frost Nixon?
3: Frank Langella or Langella.
2: Is correct. I've actually written here Frank Langella or Langella. So well done. I'm going to get one point for that, though. Oh. Lindsay, what fast food outlet was featured in The Finder? Having no idea what that
1: film is, um, this is going to go great. Uh, McDonald's is correct it's, it's, a, really, it's a really good film Michael
2: Keaton <laughs> movie I would thoroughly recommend it because mm. it is amazing okay. it, it is, is very so good, good yeah. especially when he goes to go and get his very first McDonald's in the 50s I think it was Yeah. and he has no concept of what he said, where's the knives and forks what am I supposed mm. to do with it? It, is, it is a really really good film uh, Nick Offerman is in it as well and really he's nice. great as great everything uh, Neil who directed Black Klansman Spike Lee Is correct. Okay, Lindsay. Who won an Oscar playing killer Aileen Wuornos in Monster?
1: Oh, um, Charlie Stern.
2: Is correct. Two for two. Neil, this for the win. (gasps) Are you ready?
1: This might be the
3: first time ever.
2: It might be. (laughs) Angela Bassett played the late Tina Turner in which 1993
3: biopic? Uh, What's Love Got To Do With It?
2: Is correct. Oh, Neil. sorry, Lindsay. Well done. But
3: I'm quite pleased. Finally, I've won one.
2: Well done, Neil. And I hope you're proud of yourself for beating a pregnant lady. So, well <laughs> done.
3: Well, story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, I jest everybody before you start complaining. Oh, about the
2: emails true. start rolling in. Oh, well, um, done. well done, Neil. And lucky there, Lindsay. I think, I, I mean, your we could que- keep going. Yeah.
3: Your I next
2: thought. question would have been raging bull is about which title winning boxer
1: yeah i would have not gotten that because
2: you would not have gotten that one Mm -mm. would you have gotten who plays lee rv oswald in jfk
1: no i also should (laughs) i am suffering from pregnant brain i cannot call names dates everything i'm saying i've like typed out like who the actor is what Character they played because it's just not coming to me. So, you did really yeah. well for the movie, too. Well. Then, well, we it was did. a guess, and then one one movie that I didn't well, know. Ends. Neil, do Brilliant. you know those two? Jake LaMotta <laughs> is what was The other
2: question who played Learvey Oswald in JFK Gary Oldman. It was Gary Oldman. See,
1: this was absolutely yours to win. You did not, you there smoked, you pregnant <laughs> woman, not <just. laughs> Oh, bless
3: you. No, I fall at your feet, Lindsay. Oh,
2: dear. Okay, then. Right, back to uh, the actual work in hand. So, Lindsay, you're number five, please.
1: Okay. uh, This film is so incredible, if you haven't seen it. It's Frida, uh, about Frida Kahlo, starring Salma Hayek and Alfred Molina. Have you guys seen this one, or no?
3: I haven't. A long time ago, when I was still manager of Blockbusters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: it's a 2002 film, and it's Salma Hayek's, like, at the time, it was a movie she was desperate to get made, and unfortunately, she had to deal with some Harvey Weinstein harassment in order to oh, go figure that, which is really awful. I was like, oh, there's such an ugly side to this. But it is, um, you know, I'm Southern California girl and have grown up around a lot of like Mexican art, um, Mexican-American culture, all of that. And Frida Kahlo has been like a major influence around here. And so this film really kind of explains what's going on behind, you know, the artist, you know, behind her paintings um she lived a life of incredible pain she um had you know some issues when she was younger she had a horrible accident when she was 18 so she always had back pain and you know always you know just just suffered man her whole life um but she has this adorable spirit Salma Hayek portrays her in just the most delightful way and what's interesting is the film is shot beautifully and then it's intercut with different little animations for a while and then these weird little um expressions of her art will stop where Hayek has like a painted face and it looks like she's in her own art I and mean, it's all just really well done and really beautifully done and Oh my gosh! If you haven't seen this film, uh, Pat, I, I really do think it's worth a watch, and you just get such an appreciation for it. Alfred Molina is always good in everything he does. In everything, yeah. It's so is Hayek, actually. And, but I don't um, think
3: she's been as good, strong as this. No, ever since. no. This is her like big thing, you know. Like,
1: this it's, is her passion for sure. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just a beautiful, incredible film. Really powerful, amazing artist, and. You know, unfortunately, her her life was cut short. I think she died at like forty seven. But to to live out loud and to share her soul this way, to be such a self taught artist, you know, and to be so thoughtful and everything, it's it's brilliant and beautiful.
3: And I always remember that I'm impressed with the makeup and everything that people have, because um, you know, like Frida famously had the mono brow. Right. You, um, and when they do that sort of thing in movies, you you seem to always be able to know. Oh, that's, mm-hmm. there's a fake mustache. There's a fake right. eyebrow. Whatever. But with hers, you I, you couldn't tell. It looked genuinely real. I mean, I it don't really know whether was. Salma could grow it, but it just looks. She really might be
1: able to. Okay. They're more common um, than people. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, a little mustache as well. But it's mm. just it's just beautiful, and you really see her. You know, kind of shrinking. You know, with Diego Rivera, her husband. um You know, he he has the spotlight. He's the one who's like known and she's just like oh, are my paintings any good it's like oh my gosh She're, she's in a room with just a ton of her paintings and it's like you know priceless art and you know the story yeah. of her so anyway, I just think it's stunning it's a stunning it's a,
3: it's a great movie it's a fantastic yeah. film and it's a great educational film to find out about her right um right. who directed it do you do you, do you remember I mean if only there was a way we could find out. <laughs> only
1: there was a little Google yeah. machine or something. Now have um, a little look at the
3: Google <laughs> machine,
2: shall I? It's uh oh, Julie taymore uh,
3: okay.
1: Now yeah. I yeah. think
2: she's that the one that directed sense. The Lion King, isn't she? On the stage. show the stage, the stage show, yeah.
3: The stage yeah. Show, yeah. That's, uh, yeah.
2: There you go. Yeah, that makes yeah, Another one to sense. add to the list another one to add to the list you've got such uh,
3: joys coming your way i know
2: i know i just haven't the time to do it that's the thing mm. uh so neil you said your uh, man of, man of, man on the moon was your number 5 so my number 5 is stan and Ollie, which Ooh. was the uh, movie had uh, steve Coogan as uh, stan laurel and the john other guy c. Riley. <laughs> that's it <Don't> john c, <laughs> c. riley as oliver hardy again i don't know why john c riley didn't at least get an oscar nomination mm. Uh, as Oliver Hardy. Now, as anyone who knows this podcast knows me and Neil, we love Laurel and Hardy, and I thought it was just fantastic the way, just the opening scene where they do the dance from Way Out West. I mean, I've got I've got a, a love for Laurel and Hardy that goes back to probably my earliest memories. Mm. So to see that and see how it must have looked like when they filmed it, because seeing it from like behind them as opposed to like in front of them. I just, I I lapped everything up about this movie and I was so surprised because I really was worried. When I heard they were going to make a movie, and I thought Steve Coogan, I don't Mm. don't really know about, and then John C. Riley as Oliver Hardy, that's not going to work. But they were, you could see the original people in Mm. those portrayals, and they were, it's, well, I was going to say it's one of my best biopics, it's my fifth best biopic. Um, (laughs) I don't know whether you've seen it, Lindsay, but uh, no.
1: I'm getting homework
2: too. Don't
3: worry. <laughs> yeah, it is a good one to see. It is. I
2: do find in a lot of like, if I ever listen to podcasts from America, they always tend to talk about um, the Marx Brothers um, or the Three Stooges. They never seem to talk about Laurel and Hardy in the same way. Are they just not as prevalent in the, in the US?
1: I mean, I can only speak for myself, but it kind of sounds like that. You know, Laurel and Hardy as like those three words put together. <laughs> Like I'm familiar with that idea, but I but I have no concept. I'm so sorry. Really,
3: wow. I think yeah. I read something about this though, wasn't it? Because the fact that the Marx Brothers and the Three Stooges were replayed uh, much like we had Laurel and Hardy at the school holidays. That's what that happened, right, in America, oh. and that's why it became more prevalent to them. Ah,
1: right. Yeah, I didn't okay. really see much Marx Brothers growing up. Three Stooges would still be on TV. Like again, I grew up in the 80s um, and 90s, so. Even that is not is very far removed. You know, I know about them more historically than like, mm. oh, that's definitely like the comedy that's in my heart, not at yeah, all. Yeah. Okay. No, okay.
3: but that was okay definitely though. one of the films that kept going in and out of my top ten. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it is a beautiful film, Lindsay.
1: It's it really, really well
2: really worth is. watching. Um, okay, then, Lindsay, your number four, then please.
1: My number four is Aaron Brockovich. Uh It's it came out when I was in high school, and I was obsessed with the story. It wasn't even just her or the film um, although I love the film tremendously but it really inspired actually I did a senior project on uh the chemical spill. So so if you don't know the story it's um she's not a lawyer but she works for a law firm. She's very down on her luck, single mom and uh she demands a job and so they send her out to this um, part of California that's kind of more rural it's not terribly far from where I live but not very close either and um, she starts to realize that by putting together that that basically this power company PG&E has been hiding reports of toxic groundwater the water that everybody uses to drink to shower into all of that and it's poisoned an entire town and actually this has been done all over the country but specifically in this one town in Hankley so she becomes Kind of the central figure in talking to people in this town, just spending all this time, you know, um, uncovering this horrible conspiracy, this horrible cover up that this very powerful company has, and ultimately helps win a case for um, the town people, townspeople who've been killed, poisoned, can, you know, given cancer by this, this tremendous, you know, this neglect by this company. Um, what's sad is, you know, in 2023, we still have spots in America that have poisonous water that, you know, they have to drink bottled water and shower with that. And they can't use theirs because of, you know, companies like this, but it kind of inspired me to really get into um, environmental justice and environmental sciences. I just, um, I just have, admire her so much. And mm. um, it's a very watchable film. Like it's really well done and acted and all of that, but also just what the insidious nature behind it, it just enrages me, you know, I'm about to be a mom, but I've had this feeling since then. Like, since I was a kid, like, don't hurt kids, don't hurt families. You know, what are we doing? So, how corrupt is this world? So, anyway, I think it's brilliant.
3: And Julia Roberts' first uh, Oscar, wasn't
2: it? Yes. I
1: think so. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: I've not seen this movie for years. Yeah. It's, it's, I need to watch it again yeah, because it I have seen good it for film. a long time.
1: It's Aaron Eckhart's in it too. He's super. Albert, Albert Finney is hilarious mm. and great. It's this grumpy old guy who's taken on this, you know, crazy lady, but. You know, ultimately they become great friends and, you know, they're real people, obviously, this this category is, but it's just, wow, what heroes people can be. Steven
3: Soderbergh, wasn't it? Yep.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, It It was a good film. Yeah. Yeah. Great one. And that's your number four. So, Neil, what's your number four? So, now, this is based on real people, but a lot of poetic license has been taken with the story. It's The Untouchables, Kevin Mm. Costner, Robert De Niro, I think it's just uh, it's a great Brian De Palma film. It's a great gangster movie. Now, if you look into the facts and the fictions, it, it didn't quite play out as it pans. Even Sean Connery with his Oscar-winning role, uh, the Scottish Irishman, um, it just it works so well, doesn't it? I mean, I think De Niro really puts the menace into Capone like we've mm. never seen before on screen. Yeah. I think Kevin Costner was at his prime then. We all wanted to be the Elliot Ness. You know, his whole Andy Garcia, wasn't it? As well, Andy Garcia, and yeah. Sean Connery, and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name, but yeah, it was um, the four of them, and I just find it still so watchable. And one of those movies as well, where we talk about it time and time again, where it doesn't age when you watch a movie and you know full well that it was made near nearly 40 years ago, it's now still ageless to me. I watched it very recently. And I've forgotten how brutal it was in places. Oh, it's very Yeah. Very. Uh, and the tension and you know, the homage to other black and white movies, Battleship Petankin and stuff like that with the with the pram going down the stairs and everything. It just brings the tension so well. Charles um, Martin Smith. That's it, Charles What's Martin Smith. That's the other Smith? guy. Yeah, that's yeah,
2: it. yeah. Just, De, N- De Niro went for method for this, didn't he? I think he was he wearing did. the silk underwear that Capone used to wear mm. and Ooh. put on thirty pounds and all that kind that's of stuff. It. But I that mean stuff. that
3: bit with the baseball bat—I'd forgotten that until I recently watched it. And you think, like, oh, geez, ouch!
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's is I didn't put it in my top ten because mainly because of that. The same reason that I didn't want to put Tombstone in is that yeah. it's that kind of thing. It's not what I would call a biopic, but it's. I mean, well, I say that. I'm not going to blow that out of my water. My number two, when you're going to get to it, it's the same thing. So, <laughs> so that's a terrible excuse. I
3: mean, it's based on a series of no, myths. No, it is. It's true, is, isn't absolutely. it? You know, Elliot, we all know Elliot, brought yeah. down Capone. We all know this, but it's, it's just exactly. the way they've told the story. That's all.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. But it's, it's a great movie. I think that was in my top 10 greatest movies. Mm. I think Or should have been. <laughs> um, my number four. And we, right, we can't have a podcast about movies without having The Greatest Showman. Now, of course, The Greatest Showman's <laughs> got to be in there. <laughs> this is one of the ones that probably is about as far away from the actual truth mm. as possible, because um, from what I've seen on research I've done is that uh, uh, P.T. Barnum was a was a bit of a shit. He wasn't a particularly nice person, uh, and he definitely probably didn't sing and dance as good as Hugh Jackman. But uh, if we're going to go for biopics... Look, I've said as much as I'm going to say about, about The Greatest Showman in all the episodes that we've done, but, uh, but it's there as my number four. Um, okay, Lindsay, your number
3: three was Man on the Moon. So, Neil, what's your number three? So this is the question you gave to Lindsay in our little quiz. Raging Bull. Um, oh, right, okay. I'm, I think this movie is really well made. It's made in black and white. It's Martin Scorsese again. It's Robert De Niro again. Now, we talk about method acting this is the film that start to me is the proof of method acting, you know, Robert De Niro really did fat himself up for the end of the movie, but it, you know, it's a hard watch yet. It's an intriguing watch um, to find out the story of this guy that I knew nothing about until I saw the movie. Didn't even realize it was a true story. Um, you know, you go through right from the lows to the highs to find out that he wasn't a great person overall, but you know um i don't want to spoil it in case you watch it but it's it's nearly three hours long but it's all in black and white joe pesci's probably first big role um uncomfortable subject matters you know puts you uncomfortable where you want to be but it also doesn't shy away from the highlights of what you know is wrong and everything in that situation Definitely recommend. Just if you've not seen it, you need to. Did he actually get properly?
2: Like, did he put on all the weight, or was it all padding? Did he actually?
3: No, no, no. He he purposely. That if you watch, if you get the Blu-ray, there's a great cinema classics Blu-ray version of it, which has got a great documentary. He went away for like six months to the to Sicily or or Italy, wherever he went, and just ate pasta after pasta. Dish so, is that
2: yeah. he he filmed the, the the thin stuff first and then went and did that? Can you imagine yeah. when they cut they shout cut on that final day of filming, and then he's got six months of eating. Yeah, I mean, I, that must be a wonderful feeling to think you're getting. Well, paid it was, but if you when that. you listen
3: to the documentaries, he got doctors warning about how fast he was putting all the weight on. I and know. I mean, it goes exactly just imagine the same. it. How wonderful that must be. It goes exactly <laughs> the same way with Christian Bale losing all that weight for the Machinist. You know, the machinist. Yeah. It's yeah. the same. You know, the opposite side of the spectrum. But I mean, I know there's people out there that don't like De Niro and don't think he is what he is. But this shows when he was in his prime and how. Yeah. He was probably our greatest living actor. I mean, he yeah. made Pacino look hammy even back then. So yeah, the guy let's give the guy credit. I think Oh, you know,
2: absolutely. Yeah. And he's still having babies as well. Oh, well, yeah. So is Pacino three or whatever, yeah.
3: Whatever both, De Niro does. They're both at it, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Just think of imagine that crash. I mean, crash for them and the babies are off doing what they want to do. I imagine. Just imagine, you'll be saying to their wives, "Time for a change," and it's them and the baby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, uh, so my number three. Now, if I'm going to have the greatest showman, um, which is the probably the the movie that I've talked about more than anything uh, in all of these episodes that we've done, um, at number three, I'm g- I'm going to pull it a little bit. It's not a movie, but I'm going for Hamilton. I'm going to have Hamilton at number three because it is. I think it's a biopic, a bit. It's lin Manuel Miranda, Hamilton,
3: the greatest musical ever. Um, mm. I don't know, Neil. Have you watched it yet? Still haven't watched it. What the and hell is wrong me, with you, man? I know it's very naughty of me, but oh. I haven't been in the right frame of mind. No, I was gonna fair. watch it actually, literally, I put it on the list as in my list on the streaming, and I thought I'll watch it. And that was like a week before I had my accident. Oh, was it? And then I still haven't, I just can't remember. I couldn't uh, my attention's problems go. Lindsay, are you
1: are a fan? I love Hamilton. Um, and considered it for the list, but I don't know, something about it I just was like, I'm not sure I love it as much as I love these but I really do. I will say I was hesitant to watch it as well, and I don't really know why, but um I started listening to some of the music. Actually, a student was doing something after school and was like, can we put on Hamilton? I think I was having them arrange my books or something. I was like, whatever, we can listen to that. Like it was just the music. It wasn't even that, yeah. but that helped me kind mm-hmm. of come to it. And I think it, some of the, some of the women and their voices are just tremendous. Oh. Like, some of those songs, I was like obsessed with the songs before I even saw the show. And then finally um, we had tickets to go see it. It was like a Christmas present um, for late March 2020 which was right when our covid lockdown happens the show got cancelled so i've never seen it live but i've seen the disney plus you know uh you know film a few times it's it's brilliant mm.
3: yeah, yeah and i believe they are making a yeah. proper movie aren't they are they i think they are i mean it's been on the cards for ages but i think they're finally getting oh. right into it now Fantastic. But I will, I will, I promise, I will. I'll surprise you. Yeah, yeah. I'll suddenly go. <laughs> yep, I've yeah, seen yeah, it yeah. now. And I mean,
2: Neil, the things you'll do to not watch Hamilton. I mean, you know, break your knee in places. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> just say you don't want to watch it. That's all you got
3: to do. <laughs>
2: yeah. um, do. I would
1: do a couple of the songs first. I, w- I would really do that and just see—is that mm. something intriguing to you? I don't know. That worked for me because I was like, "Gosh, it's going to be like a four-hour thing." You know, who has time for this? But it's
2: that awesome. was the that was the weird thing—is that I knew. I I knew nothing about it. That was the trouble, I, and so right. I went into it, thought of like, okay, come on then, let's watch it. And then mm-hmm. as soon as it went, dun 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 dun, yeah. like, oh my god, I'm in! Oh my god, I don't believe it! Right. And I'm not a rap fan. I don't like that kind of music. But I was just enthralled because it was it was a history lesson as well. That was the thing. It yeah. wasn't just that it was great songs. I was learning about all this stuff that I had no idea about. So. Right. It's mm. it's a great thing for that as well. So. And I'm a
3: huge musical fan, Lindsay. You, are, so I you should, are Neil. You are I should watch it. I really will.
2: Okay, then Lindsay, your number two, then please.
1: Okay. So my number two and my number one switched a thousand times and in an hour I probably would switch them again. But um I picked a beautiful mind, uh starring Russell Crowe. Um I actually started re-watching this on my phone as I was getting ready today. It was just like, oh I'll just, you know, get back into it. And I was like, Oh my god, is this film so good? <laughs> um it is just stunning. So he plays uh, a mathematician named John Nash, who um, is, is so beyond brilliant. I mean, I don't know. Should I spoiler?
2: Yeah, we do spoilers. Okay. Yeah, okay. Then, no problem.
1: So ultimately, he is um, this brilliant mathematician in um, Princeton and then goes to MIT. And then it becomes this kind of spy film because he's being like, recruited, you know, by this very shady character played by Ron Howard, who's also the director, to, you know, unlock, you know, this cryptography thing, basically prevent a big Russian mobile bomb somewhere in America. And he's all, like, paranoid about it. He's married at this point. And then it turns out it's all in his mind. He's schizophrenic. And he's been imagining people since his college days, including Paul Bettany's character, who's, like, his roommate at the time, who'd never existed. And ultimately, the film you know, comes to this, you know, he's going through treatment and all of that and, uh, you know, trying to figure out what's real, how do I know? And ultimately he uses his insanely brilliant brain to deduce reality from the fiction his brain is inventing. And so it's just stunningly powerful. It's a beautiful love story and the music is beyond great. It's such a great score. Um, I'd forgotten how great and like how paranoid the music makes you feel and how stunning every revolution, every uh, revelation is. And Russell Crowe is fantastic in it. This is like his gladiator era and he's playing the absolute opposite character. This yeah. total, you know, brainy in his head guy who's really antisocial, but ultimately is this stunning genius Um, And again, it's another film that made me understand the math. (laughs) I (laughs) appreciate that. Um, I almost had Imitation Game on here too, which is very similar um, in that, you know, it Mm -hmm. it made things clear to me. Um, But yeah, I just love A Beautiful Mind. It's so good.
3: Yeah, it is a great movie. I haven't seen it for ages. I must watch it.
2: You say that about understanding, um, I'll I'll say say maths and whatever. (laughs) The Max. big short, the big short is another. I've never seen the big short. I have absolutely no idea what's going on in that. And even having Margot Robbie in a bath, explaining, drinking champagne, explaining to me certain bits of it, I still don't. But I am fascinated because it's like they're talking a different language. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I'm just absolutely fascinated by the fact that these guys know what they're talking about. And it's just mind boggling. So, and it's the same. And one thing I love about A Beautiful Mind as well is. It's you say you get drawn into that intrigue of the spying and stuff, and then you ask totally. the question, Is it real or is it not? You get drawn into that as much as mm-hmm. um, Russell Crowe's character,
1: yeah. You see the code kind of come off the page, yeah. you know, yeah. and in his mind, you're like, But that doesn't make any sense. And then there were certain things I was looking it all up this morning, and um, every hallucination he has, every person who's not really there, you hear them first before you see them, and that was intentional because his hallucinations oh. were actually auditory. Every time he had a a revelation about something, you know, mathematical, it it showed up like a flash. That was something that, you know, was really intentional too. I don't know. It's just, it's really smart and really clever and very, again, watchable and interesting. And the script is awesome. It's just so good. Mm. It sounds like a really boring film. It is the opposite. I just loved it.
3: Yeah. I can remember seeing it at the cinema and being blown away because we Mm. weren't all sure about it. And very, very sort of moving as well, you know, with his family, Jennifer Connolly, wasn't it, his wife? Um,
1: Really touching. And ultimately, love is kind of what helped him figure out, you know, because he was on medication that was taking away his ability to think, to Mm. perform with his wife, to to be a person, to love his kids. You know, all of that was like gone when he was on the um, anti-whatever drugs, (laughs) you know, (laughs) know. Um, antipsychotics, I guess. But uh, so ultimately, he found a path in between where he reasons out the ways to, to make this work. And, you know, he lived a long successful life with his wife. So it's incredible.
3: Great. Uh, Go on then, Neil. your number two. So it's a Sean Penn directed movie. There you go. It's into the wild. I'm a huge fan of this one. I love the, um, the story of the young lad. He just decides to quit the human race and go off to Alaska (laughs) to live. Um, Who doesn't think of that from day to day and think, Oh, how nice (laughs) that would be to get rid of the money the, the money side of things um it's well well directed well well acted Emil Hirsch is the young lad who does it you meet a whole slew of uh other actors coming in and out um Vince Vaughn's in it Kirsten Stewart's in it or Kristen Stewart or however you pronounce the name and people like that uh but the soundtrack is just beautiful um we talk about music in movies this is probably my favorite movie soundtrack. I think it's just stunningly gorgeous. Eddie Vedder did it. And oh. you know, I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan, but it's not like Pearl Jam music at all. It's a lot more restrained and beautiful. But I would recommend anyone. I introduced it to my daughter when she was about, I don't know, 14. And uh, she's, it's now her favorite film. So she, she will watch it yearly. It's uplifting yet sad, if that makes sense. Oh. Well, I've,
2: I've not only never heard, uh, never seen this movie, I've never heard of this movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Have you not? <laughs> it was a John Krakauer book, I think, yeah. Mm. Oh my God,
3: yeah. Yeah, mm. it's absolutely, it, I think it's on Prime or something like that. Right. It's right. one of them, but yeah, it's a beautiful film. It's mm. an absolutely beautiful film. Moving, funny, it's got everything. And some of the, is it Hal Holbert who yeah. is such a sweet, sweet, moment between a young generation and uh you know a, sort of the twilight years generation it's yeah it's okay. some beautiful moments in it and it should be a high a lot more recognized than it actually is
2: yeah i'll add it to the list because i've mm. never heard of that one so i will oh, wow. watch it yeah yeah you. it's a beautiful well i've learned question. something tonight neil well done yeah <laughs> well done um okay my number two now this was the one that i thought is not really a biopic but it's jfk um, so Jim Garrison is what who it's about really, but it's obviously in the envelope of the whole JFK assassination. And I love the JFK. That's horrible. I don't mean I don't love the JFK assassination. I wasn't, but the whole th- I'm fascinated by the whole JFK assassination and conspiracy, if yeah. you like. Um, and Kevin Costner is great in this. And I think it's more it is more the JFK side of it that I'm fascinated with but as a piece about the guy as well, because the guy, the uh, Jim Garrison was a very interesting guy. Some of it again, is not this true Oliver Stone thing. You know, you take everything Mm -hmm. with a little pinch of salt in regards to what is fact and what is fiction in his movies. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I classed it when I thought about this, this subject. JFK Mm -hmm. was one of the first ones I thought of and probably tenuous link to a
3: biopic, but uh, no, it definitely is a biopic. There's no, yeah. t- I'm, I'm absolutely that's a good. Well, I'll take that. <laughs> and I would, I would have put it in my list. It went in and out of my list. But one of the things that I really want to see, and I've never seen it, is the director's cut. Have you seen where well, it goes on? The cut was but, out on Blu-ray, yeah. Yeah, I've not ever seen it. It's about four hours long, isn't it? Yeah, I, director, did, I did have it there.
2: on Blu-ray, but then I sold my PlayStation and I didn't have anything to play play, uh, play, play Blu-rays on. So I yeah,
3: I would I like watch. to see. I'm intrigued to see that side of it. And yeah, also, yeah. isn't some of the, the facts that the, the, some of the forms and documents at the end of the movie they said would be released have never been released still?
2: Yeah, some of some of them did get released. but mm. I think some of the more meteor ones are still under lock and key, I think. But... Uh, who knows who knows if we'll ever see them who knows um okay before we reveal our number ones uh Lindsay, if you want to give us a countdown from 10 to 2 neil will do the same then i'll do the same
1: absolutely all right uh so number 10 i had catch me if you can number nine the theory of everything number eight hidden figures number seven walk the line number six the social network number five frida Number four, Aaron Brockovich. Number three, Man on the Moon. And
3: number two, A Beautiful Mind. Wonderful. Neil? So at number 10, I had Control. At number nine, Rocketman. At number eight, Schindler's List. Number seven, Elvis. Number six, Wolf of Wall Street. Number five, Man on the Moon. Number four, The Untouchables. Number three, Raging Bull. And at number two, Into the Wild.
2: Lovely. And mine is number 10, Legend, 9, Papillon, 8, The Elephant Man, 7, Wolf of Wall Street, 6, Man on the Moon, 5, Stan and Ollie, 4, The Greatest Showman, 3, Hamilton, and 2, JFK. So, Lindsay, what is your number one biopic?
1: Okay, so we've actually already talked about this, and I just didn't say anything. Um, I chose Rocketman, the story of oh. John. And the reason I picked it is because, and I know it's not unique in this way, but well, it stands out in this way to me. I was like, "That's the the bio the biopic from his perspective, from mm-hmm. like from his lens, you know." And I just loved that. I was like, "We're seeing the world as he recalls it, as he saw himself, you know." And yes, it is more fantasy and almost stage show, you know. But that's that's what was going on in his head, and that's mm-hmm. who he thinks. That's how he thinks of himself, and how closely he worked with the lead actor Taron Egerton, and um, you know the portrayal of his mother, who's just heinous Bryce Dallas Howard is like the worst. Um, I mean, she's excellent as an actress playing the worst person. Um, I just thought it was so brilliant, so vibrant, so fun. You know, I came away feeling like, you know, I was at an Elton John show and, you know, I just think, I just think it's a stunning, stunning piece of art. Um, so I just loved it start to finish but we already talked about it a little bit so I don't have to keep going on you all mm.
3: know how no you're it. quite right Lindsay and yeah. I hope I really do hope because as we record this Glastonbury hasn't happened in the UK and Elton John's headlining I think it's Saturday night or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. um, Glastonbury I'm hoping he brings Taron Egerton out again like he that would did be so great. the other shows because yeah mm. i just i think that guy did such a good job and he's he, i love the, i think he's yeah it's a great movie Lindsay yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic yeah. movie great one uh go on then neil you're number one so it's another martin <laughs> scorsese movie <laughs> me and my love of scorsese but it is good fellas um you know i've read the book uh, i only read the book because i bought the limited edition vhs that came with the book and other props in it and the video but i think this movie is fantastic it's a it's up there with one of the greatest gangster movies ever ever made you know um and we're seeing it all from Ray Otter's um point of view Henry's point of view right from the childhood and brings it up through um and you're invested well to me you're invested um and I've never ever bored there's not one scene in that movie that bores me I can watch it and it's on and I can join it at any time but um always held for for years the record of the most uses of the f-word there you go there's a little fat for you Until and now this
2: podcast o- of course <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, but has now been overtaken by wolf of wall street oh
2: there you go good
3: old martin scorsese he keeps his, his record going well uh, you know again it's de niro it was fantastic but it's joe Pesci's show in this one he's he's the he's the lunatic that we all wish we didn't have a friend like and yeah it's it's brilliant it's just brilliant
2: was that in I your like, top 10 movies of all time
3: uh, probably not because i went for in oh, it's a different subject but i went for the repeat viewing of course yeah, what yeah i yeah. overtook it and yeah. yeah it probably would be next week <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: yeah okay yeah you can't argue with that you can well of course it wasn't in any of our top 10s was it <laughs> Lindsay? but you can't argue with that can you uh my number one um i think it's one of the ones that has had the most changed as in Hollywood fying it, if that is even a word, but it's Braveheart. Uh, Mm. The story of William Wallace. um, I thought, considering Mel Gibson directed it as well as starring in it, did the sort of Dances with Wolves thing, um, and also cleaned up at the Oscars the same as Dances with Mm. Wolves. But I thought his performance in this is amazing. It is just, and I know that Mel Gibson has got so many sort of bad ticks in his corner and if you demons, like demons yeah he's got demons um but i really thought he was he's a very interesting director um, apocalypto mm. was one of those movies that was just like stunning to watch and so harrowing in places and and this is the same this is mm. this doesn't pull its punches this has got some very very graphic scenes that were, that mm. stops you from wanting to watch the movie that's mm. the trouble there's, there's certain scenes with with like the love of his life that That ends up dying. Spoilers. It's just one of those things that it makes you not want to see the film. But again, when we do our top 10 revenge movies, Braveheart are probably in there for me because when he goes and starts kicking the English's ass, Mm -hmm. you want him to do it because you're well in his, you know, you're on his side, you're in his corner. Um, And just a a, a heartbreaking ending. But the soundtrack.
3: Mm. I was a quick question when you said that. Do you think Mel Gibson had a problem with the English? Because remember the Patriot. Yeah, I,
2: yeah, I don't. Think he, I don't think he likes the
1: English
3: now.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> like a lot of people. So yeah, well, this, is is. True, Lindsay,
2: <laughs> this is true, Lindsay. This is true. Oh dear. Right. Oh, I got some. Uh, I've got some honorable mentions just to quickly uh, rattle through. At Andy McEwen one said, "In the Name of the Father." Mm. With Daniel, Daniel Day, Day Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. Uh,
3: Stu Grant
2: said, uh, "American Splendor." I, Tonya. Uh, my name is Bruce. He said a cheat, but he's having it. Rocket Man, Fighting With My Family and Man on the Moon. Stuart Turvey said Goodfellas or Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Watson said I've got to go with Blindside and Moneyball for my sports side and Wolf of War Street for my party side. I watched Moneyball a couple of weeks ago. It's really good. It is it's very good. really good movie. I've s- never seen it before. Uh, good, the Bad and the Dugly. Uh, says Wolf of Wall Street, Capote, I, Tonya, Saving Mr. Banks, which is really good, Legend and Bohemian Rhapsody. Jeff Flores says, Hi, Pavo and Neil. Hello, Lindsay. Panan, he says. Uh, the Wife and I love Catch Me If You Can, Leonardo mm-hmm. DiCaprio, and America's dad, Tom Hanks. Another great movie is Hidden Figures. Uh, and, of course, Straight Outta Compton. Nicky Dennis says, Some my Faves, Not In Any Order, Black Klansman, Harriet, Selma, Just Mercy, yeah, Electrical Life of Louis Wayne loving vincent love and mercy greatest showman and of course hamilton well done mm-hmm. nikki uh, corinne Pasta says hi there here's a few of my faves hidden figures the king's speech walk the line and ford versus ferrari lisa buchanan says love the darkest hour i've seen it several times i'm currently reading the splendid and the vile by eric larson mm-hmm. it reiterates how accurate the biopic was so astonishing as a companion i would pick dunkirk cry every time i see it Love, Gia, and, and with Angelina Jolie, probably her first uh, intro into her acting, and why, just wow! Sid and Nancy is another favourite. And finally, Amadeus. I haven't seen it in years, but still lurks in my memory. And Jen Berg says, Amadeus. That soundtrack is a banger. Sir Neville Mariner smashed it. So there you go. Neil, well, I thought you would have had um, Sid and Nancy in there. I really thought
3: that was really um hilarious. I'm Yeah, it's one of those ones that drop in and out for me. It's a bit like um, the other one with Gary Oldman, Prick Up Your Ears. It's yeah, another yeah, great yeah. movie, but it drops in and out. Joe Orton. Um, but I was going to say that I've just suddenly remembered. I went to um, Fort William a couple of years ago in Scotland, and they've done an honorary statue of yes. William Wallace, and it is, they've put the face of Mel Gibson on it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <What>? <laughs>
3: it's genuinely true uh, so there you go we know uh, okay, I just
2: I'd
1: bring
3: that no but yeah Sid and Nance is a good film I prefer Prick Up Your Ears uh, there right. yeah
2: well there you go we've done it That's our top ten. So, Lindsay, once again, it's been an absolute pleasure. I will say, before we say our goodbyes, we need to say hello to Hannah Graham, who is our latest Patreon top head. So, hello, Hannah. Thank you very much, um, Hannah. It won't be long before you'll be sat... In Lindsay's seat, I mean, obviously not in her house, because that'd be weird. Uh
1: (laughs) She wants to, I guess. (laughs) Everyone's invited.
2: Everyone. Everyone's invited. Yeah, you can come and do a bit of babysitting while Lindsay goes out. (laughs)
1: Thank you. I'll need a nap
2: um yeah so before we actually say our proper goodbyes neil if you want to tell everybody how to get in touch with us and all that
3: gubbins absolutely so if you've got any ideas what you would like to hear as a top 10 do email us at top10pods at topmail.com you can also message us on all the social medias i'd imagine if you can find us at top 10 pods do give us a click give us a follow come and help support the (laughs) come and help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash top 10 pods you get all sorts of rewards where you could even be a guest yourself please do come join the fun check out all the links via the link tree the link find the link in the show notes and do please click like subscribe give us a follow whatever it is on anywhere you get your podcast from come join the fun
2: perfect that was almost perfect neil well done Lindsay, thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for being just a lovely, wonderful human being uh,
0: uh-huh.
2: with another lovely, wonderful human being growing the inside way. you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh-huh. Good luck for everything
2: in the future, Lindsay. Um, yes. And please come back once the little sprog has been born.
3: Yes. Top 10 baby foods.
1: Yes. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> frog love all right yes, thank frog. you yeah, yeah. sorry yeah How Lindsay, i
3: forgot yeah that's
1: that, yeah.
2: that is a, that's a term of endearment in the no UK. i enjoyed just, it Yeah, a lot. Just, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: okay so thank you very much lindsay uh, thank you very much hannah graham for being our latest top head
3: thank you neil thank you very much Pav. thank you very much lindsay it's been a joy to see you and good luck in the next few weeks for you bless you <laughs> yes, indeed thank you very much
2: everybody for listening and watching and let's go start the countdown yeah. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.